are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, my packages, to my articles, to my photos, and my graphic design. You can follow You could follow more content by me. Just go to Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener. So thank you. We are free and available on all platforms. But what are we talking about today? Well, we got on. He's red hot right now. The Locked On Mets host, Ryan Finkelstein. He's hopping on the pod today to discuss the Mets offseason, new ownership, even talk a little bit about the MLB Hall of Fame ballot. So it's going to be a jam-packed pod as always. He's been a superstar at the Locked On Network recently. So I feel pretty, feeling pretty good to have this guy on the podcast today. So we're going to bring him on shortly. But first, intro drop. Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And as promised, let's bring on Locked On superstar Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets on the pod. Ryan, sir, how are you doing? Doing good, man. I mean, how could I not be doing good after that glowing intro? feel great about this all right yeah. yeah go check out locked on mets on youtube they are crushing it definitely don't compare the numbers to the locked on dime back to youtube page but that's why we brought ryan on because we know he brings the views and ryan the mets offseason has gone crazy so far them the rangers have probably been the two most fascinating teams to watch during this free agency period they've been going hard they've been going aggressive there's some other teams doing some moves as well uh but those are probably the two teams i've been doing the most but before we even get to the offseason ryan i want to talk a little bit about ownership because this Mets this Mets franchise and their philosophy towards spending has really changed radically changed since they've gotten steve uh steve cohen so i just want you to just illustrate for my dying back listeners who might not be too keen on the Mets of how much Steve Cohen has changed life in the Mets franchise after the Jeff Wilpon experience. I think the perfect example is a couple of years ago, Zach Wheeler becomes a free agent and the Mets basically give him a qualifying offer and don't even talk to him. He signs with the Phillies. We've seen what's happened since runner up for the Cy Young. Uh, That was a very big point of contention for me because I was screaming for a Wheeler extension that entire year prior to him hitting free agency now you have Noah Syndergaard gets offered a qualifying offer this year. He goes to another team, and the Mets respond by giving Max Scherzer $130 million over three years. So, so there's a big difference there, whereas last time the contingency plan after losing a guy on a qualifying offer was Michael Waka and Rick Porcello. Now it's Max Scherzer. So, so I think that alone encapsulates the difference between the Wilpon era and the Cohen era. 
Yeah, and the reason I bring it up because I've been talking about this on my pod about how teams can just go into free agency and rebuild their whole team basically in one offseason, two offseasons if they want to. We see the Rangers. They were one of the worst teams in baseball last year. They were projected to have one of the worst teams in baseball going to next season. But now you add Corey Seager, you add John Gray, you add Marcus Simeon. Now they're projected to maybe fight for a wild card spot. We'll see the Mets are now projected, according to fan graphs, to be arguably the best team on paper next season, I believe, according to either fan graphs or steamer. It was one of those two things. So you can go into an offseason and basically rebuild your whole team if you're willing to spend money. And that's kind of the point I want to get to with the Mets new ownership because under the Jeff Wilpon era, I was looking it up. They used to be spending like a big market team when Jeff Wilpon first took over in the early 2000s. They were like top five in payroll from like 03 to 09 or something crazy. But then there was a little man named Bernie Madoff and he basically took down the Mets franchise with his Billion dollar Ponzi scheme took all the Mets money and Jeff Wilpon's money, and they basically had to start borrowing from the league. So, ownership is such a crucial point in baseball because if you have an owner willing to spend, you can get any player you want, you can turn your team around quickly. And we've seen it with the Mets, we've seen it with the Rangers. If you have an owner willing to spend, that's where the I want the D backs to get to a place where their owner wants to spend. So, now that the Mets look like they're spending again, like uh, under Steve Cohen, do you believe? The Mets are officially back as a big market team. And when you look at free agents, do you think the Mets are now going to be in contention with the Yankees on all these guys of who are these players going to pick? Which New York team are these players going to pick if they want to come to the Big Apple? I think they still have a lot of work to do when it comes to just shaking the narrative the Mets have had over the past you know, couple of years. I mean, we saw with their GM search how drawn out that was. So many people did not want to come over. Uh, which I think is a little ironic now because Billy Upper got to spend a quarter of a billion dollars in his first week on the job, which to me makes that, that job pretty attractive now. But I think there is a little bit that has to change when it just comes to per, the perception of the Mets, especially after last year and the way they collapsed. But there's no doubt about it. This is now a big market team. That is for sure. Uh, you want to get to a point where you don't necessarily have to overpay to get mm-hmm. some of these guys to come over. I think that's what they're trying to build towards. The one thing I'll say about uh, everything that we've seen play out this offseason, the Mets in the state of their farm system would probably be in a rebuild right now. And what they're essentially doing is they're rebuilding their farm system. They're investing a ton in their scouting, uh, their analytics, all that stuff, their player development. Meanwhile, they're going to have a $300 million payroll on the field trying to win the next couple of years as they're trying to build out that infrastructure. So I think what the Mets are going to look like in three years is going to be a little bit different than right now. I don't expect Steve Cohen to have a 300 to $350 million payroll every single year. But for the next two or three years, they're going to be huge spenders. And then moving forward, I think they'll try to get a little bit closer to what the Dodgers have done on the West Coast, where, yeah, you spend, but you can spend a little bit more wisely. Yeah, and that's basically my my overarching point when it comes to ownership, because the Mets – even though they played in New York, they were a small market team. Once that Bernie Madoff scandal happened, you bring in Steve Cohen, they're back to a big market team. So in baseball, any team, the, uh, there's not really an idea of small market or big market in baseball. There's glamour markets, of course, but free agents in baseball historically really don't care about going to glamour markets. Of course, it's always nice to go to the New Yorks or the L.A.s, but honestly, most free agents just want to get the bag. They just want to secure their money because – We have this uh, CBA lockout right now where 
players are trying to get to free agency quicker. The six years of major league service time, they want to get to free agency quicker. They want to get paid faster. So a big reason why players didn't care about big market teams is because they've been waiting six years to get to free agency. They're going to take that first big bag that comes to them. They're not going to wait for Oh, let me see what the Yankees have to offer. Maybe they could top, you know, top the offer I got from the Cleveland Guardians or something. Like free agents just want to go where the money was. So historically, if you had an owner willing to spend, your team was gonna be in pretty good shape. The D-backs are a team that try that always tries to be around league average and live on the margins. But if you don't have an infrastructure like the Rays or the Oakland A's, it's just not going to work. So I, I want the D-backs to get to a point where they're maybe not the Mets spending $300 million in the offseason, but get to a better place where they're putting a little bit more competitive product on the field. I know what I know that's what the CBA lockout negotiations are supposed to do. But when you look back at last season, Ryan, what do you think went wrong with the Mets? I know there was a lot of injuries with this team, but do you think there was also poor play? Was the defense like I was a guy who, of course, wasn't watching the Mets every day. Like, how can you explain this collapse that the Mets had in the second half of the season? Ryan and I will continue our discussion about the Mets offseason, but this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod. I think the biggest uh, thing you can point to is Jacob DeGrom getting hurt. I mean, he was, in my opinion, the favorite to win the MVP after the first half. He was putting up just ridiculous numbers offensively as well as on the mound. Uh, and then you lose him. And I think that had such a carryover, not only just to lose his production, but to lose that leadership on the field every five days. Um, so I, I think that was the biggest thing. You know, they went right out of the break and they lost Lindor and DeGrom. And, and they actually it held their heads above water a little bit more uh, in July than they did once they got Lindor back. Uh, but that's not necessarily based on his play. So it, it was really DeGrom going down. And I, I think the entire first half of the year, I've used this analogy on my show, it, it was almost like the Mets were, were holding on to the division lead. Like if you had your, your dog and you're walking it, but you just have – his leash around your wrist. You're not really holding on to it. It's just, you know, the dog's not going to go anywhere. That's it. They were, they were maintaining that division lead. And it was, they were never holding on to it. They were never in fear that the dog was going to take off. And that dog was the Braves who took off, grabbed the division and won the world series. So I, I think the Mets really were, were resting on their laurels all year in the first half, never quite creating that separation. And it came back to haunt them. Are you worried about the injuries with the Jacob deGrom? Do you think this could be reoccurring? Because, or do you even worry about how the Mets handle him? Because wasn't it kind of weird, his injury history this past year? Wasn't he like coming back a little bit too, soon, too soon and then he got hurt again? Are you worried about his health at all going forward? Um, I, I think I'm less worried than others because I, I've seen some, and, and maybe this is just carryover from David Wright, but there's Mets fans that just think he's never going to pitch again just because mm -hmm. of one injury played here. And 
DeGrom throughout his career has been very durable. So I, I think there is a chance that, that he'll have a healthy season. Uh, it, it's it's still concerning, but that's what Max Scherzer does for the Mets. It provides you great insurance. Uh, the one thing I'll say about this team is it is an old team, and you know their ceiling is very high. But, yeah, you could see a couple injuries really derail them. I don't think that's changed. Uh, unless they add a bunch of depth after we get, you know, on the other side of the CBA. Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer is a guy you can bet on to come through for you in a big game. But when you look at the rest of the Mets offseason and what they could potentially do, what do you expect the rest of this offseason to look like for the Mets? Because they've already made a ton of moves that I want to talk about. But do you expect any other big moves to be coming? Do you expect another big uh, another big fish to potentially come? Another ace up the sleeve of Steve Cohen? Is this team done spending big money in free agency? I don't think they're done spending for sure. I, I think there's two ways they can go about this. If this is just Billy Epler um, spending whatever is left in the budget and, and filling out the roster, it's going to be about adding pitching depth. They probably have to add another starter. They still haven't addressed their bullpen yet. They lost Aaron Loop. That's a big loss for that bullpen. So I, I think a lot of pitching still needs to be added, but this is still Steve Cohen and Steve Cohen, uh, as many have said, if he wants something, he's going to get it. So I, I, I would, I don't know if I would say I'd be shocked. If, let's put it this way. I would be surprised if they made another splash, but I would not be shocked. So if they were to sign Chris Bryant um, or something along those lines, that would just basically be Steve Cohen saying, look, I want this player. Let's go get him. And that can still happen when you have an owner that's the richest owner in the sport. Are there any big fish out there that the Mets have been linked to that you're like, oh, I could kind of see that one happening. That one kind of makes sense. Or any of them that you feel the strongest about that the Mets would go after if they want to go after another big fish. So I think I, that name I just mentioned, Chris Bryant, Chris would Bryant. probably be that because they were linked to him throughout the season. And apparently reports were that Steve Cohen wanted both Javi Baez and Chris Bryant at the deadline. Uh, I think when Jacob deGrom got injured and they knew that he wasn't going to be part of the Mets, at least for the foreseeable future, ended up being the entire second half. I think maybe they were a little bit uh, less all in to, to get both of those guys and the Cubs decided it was better to split them up and do two separate trade packages. But there's been interest dating back to then. And there was also some reported interest right before the CBA expired. So that's the name they've been linked to. And of maybe the big name for agents, that's the one that maybe makes sense. But personally, I'm not the biggest fan of the signing because mm. Chris Bryant's defense, uh, to me, I'm concerned about that over a seven-year deal. And I just think that you have to be careful spending all your money at once. You know, if the Mets want to be players in a couple of years and then you suddenly have a payroll where maybe Chris Bryant doesn't look great two years from now and Francisco Lindor continues to not perform up to the same level as he did when he was in Cleveland – now you're locking yourself in a bit. So I, I think the Mets would be smart not to, to give out another seven, eight-year contract to Chris Bryant, but um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I can't deny the fact that the Mets lineup will look better with Chris Bryant in it. I'm not, I'm not that delusional. I'm just concerned about the long-term implications. Yeah, one reason that I wouldn't mind seeing Chris Bryant in that Mets lineup because it would mean he's no longer in the San Francisco Giants lineup, which I do not want to see any longer. 
Adding him would be interesting. Of course, the defense, like you said, could be a little suspect, but it does help that he could play multiple different defensive positions, very versatile. That seems to be a kind of theme with the Mets. If they do get Chris Bryant, you got a Eduardo Escobar, who's pretty versatile as well. So maybe that's kind of the direction they want to go. I know Jonathan Villar is a free agent for them, and he's been a pretty versatile defender throughout his career as well. But you mentioned Francisco Lindor. I'm looking at his numbers right now because I haven't really done a – Lindor update since the since the season and yeah it's not as impressive of a season as what he was doing in the pre-Guardian days so are you at all worried about Lindor and his production the first time in New York do you think it was just maybe some nerves being in a big city at all like how how worried or nervous are you if at all about Francisco's Lindor new uh, Francisco Lindor's future in New York Ryan and I will wrap up the conversation surrounding the Mets, but this episode is brought to you by Stance Socks. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings in atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. I know I'm putting stand socks on my Christmas list. I put them on my Christmas list every year, and Santa always comes through and delivers in my stockings. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those that feel good, do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a less of a life less ordinary with stance. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. I would say I'm cautiously optimistic that what we just saw is not going to happen again. I mean, he had a great September, had nine home runs, 25 RBIs down the stretch. Uh, And and also, if you look at those numbers, he was so awful in the first, I'd say, six weeks of the season. If you pull those those weeks out, the numbers look a lot better. So, I mean, if you were to look from, I'd say, maybe, you know, May 15th on, somewhere around there. I think his season looks a lot different. Overall, he's still got on base a lot. You look at it, he didn't strike out a lot more. So it's not like he completely lost himself. He just you know, wasn't connecting on pitches for whatever reason. Uh, I think we're going to see a much better version next year. And the one thing I will say is I haven't seen defense like that from that shortstop since I was like six years old watching Ray Ordonez. I mean, I, I, I watched so many years of, of Wilmer Flores at shortstop or Struble Cabrera or 34-year-old Jose Reyes. Like, that was a completely different element to the Mets this year. Their defense got so much better, and Lindor was a huge part of that. So I think that is something that uh, was really a big impact in the Mets, having that lead in the first half uh, where they were in first place for so long. Yeah, and – the injury is interesting with Lindor because this has been a guy that's been like supremely healthy throughout his career. So I don't think I'm really too worried about the injury issue that he had this past season. He's still only going to be 28 years old. His track record is pretty good. Uh, I want to see him get back into the power department. He got hot in the last month or the last couple of months of the season, like you said, but I think the power really just wasn't there most of the season for him. So I think I want to see him get back into that department for me to feel really confident about him. But like you said, his defense is going to be elite. He's going to be doing stuff for you on the base pass. And he he, can, he has a lot of different elements to his game that can still make him a pretty good player, even if he's struggling at the plate a little bit. So 
Francisco Lindor, I think, is going to be a positive, no doubt for you guys for the foreseeable future. But I want to talk about a little bit about the Mets offseason so far because it's a weird offseason. They, of course, added a lot of guys, but they've also lost a few guys. So, so far through this early part, of course, we've got the CBA lockout going on right now. Do you feel like the Mets have gotten better so far through free agency? I know fan graphs think they've gotten better. And, of course, they've added some big-name players you know, in free agency with the Martes, Escobar, Scherzers, but they've also lost the Syndergaards, the Strowmans, the Javi Baez, even a guy like Rich Hill or Aaron Loop, like you said. So as we're standing right now, do you actually feel like the Mets gotten better so far through this, through the offseason so far, if the regular season started today? Yeah, I, I think so, especially with the knowledge that they're going to be doing some more. Uh, you know, this was just the first wave of free agency. And I think if you look at it that way, I mean, they did such a great job. That outfield, uh, it's the first time I can remember in a long time where they're going to have three actual outfielders out there. A lot of times there's been Dominic Smith in left field or J.D. Davis, converted infielders. Now you got Mark Hanna uh, in the left, most likely. I don't know how they're going to line it up. They could really put it out there however they want to. But Starling Marte is the big addition. I, I was talking about Starling Marte since the end of the season. That was the, the free agent I identified that made the most sense for the Mets that they should be all in on. Uh, because for one, he provides insurance if Brandon Nimmo, who's been injured a lot, goes down. But more importantly, I mean, at even at his age, the guy's still one of the most athletic players in the sport, stole 47 bases this year. Uh, he's just going to bring a completely different dynamic to the team. And then the defense uh, is really going to be something special. I, I think, you know, Marte is an upgrade over Conforto. Um, and then you add Canna to, to replace Dom out there. The Mets outfield got a lot better. And uh, Eduardo Escobar, as another addition in the infield, I, I think that is a perfectly capable starting player for you, as, as you're very familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that right now their infield, if just stays the same, is still pretty solid with Escobar, Lindor, uh, McNeil, and Alonzo. Yeah, I love the two Mets offseason additions that were the former D-backs, of course, because one, starring Marte is someone that I was super disappointed with when the Mets, uh, not the Mets, when the D-backs traded him away because we only got him for literally a half a season and it was during the shortened season. So we literally only got him for like 15 games, it felt like, during the D-backs 2020 season. And everyone was hyping up the Marte parte, but unfortunately, half of it, Keto Marte, wasn't very productive in 2020. But Starling Marte, I legitimately thought was the best D-backs player during that 2020 season because the whole lineup was struggling. Eduardo Escobar wasn't good in 2020. A lot of the D-backs players struggled across the board. Carson Kelly, Ketel Marte, they all struggled. But the one man who didn't was a Starling Marte, who I supremely respect. He batted 311 with 827 OPS in his short little stint in a D-backs uniform, only 33 games. So I think you're going to be very impressed with Starling Marte. I think he's a... I'm not even sure if he's underrated anymore because I think everyone knows how good Starling Marte is, but he had 47 steals last year. I think he might've been like top three in both American league and the national league and stolen bases. So what he can do for you on the base pass as a top of the lineup kind of guy, what he can do for you just as a contact hitter at the plate, like you're not getting bad at bats when it comes to Starling Marte. He's always going to be a positive on the field. So I think you're going to end up liking him a lot. And Eduardo Espar, He's someone, too, that just a huge personality. He he's, he does struggle when it comes to just 
getting on base consistently. He's like a career like 310 OBP. But as a middle-of-the-order guy, he's going to be coming through for you in those run-scoring opportunities. He's good in the cross matchups. He's a switch hitter too, so he's versatile. Like a Jonathan Villar, he can play multiple defensive positions. He might not be elite at any one defensive position, but the fact that he can play multiple is very good. He's going to get you like 35 home runs. And after those wins, he's going to be in the locker room posting videos on TikTok, got the whole crew dancing. Like he's a good clubhouse guy that you're going to need. So I was really sad to see Eduardo Escobar uh, get traded this season. I thought he needed to be traded just because he was going to be a pending free agent and the D-backs were not going to pay him. But I hated the the return that they got but that they got back for Eduardo Escobar. So I wish they got a little bit more for a guy who I felt was really good. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who made Locked on Diamondbacks their first listen of the day. Come back tomorrow on the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast for your second listen because you're going to want to listen to part two with Ryan Finkelstein breaking down the MLB Hall of Fame ballot. And of course, go listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Handicapping expert Lee Sterling if you want to put some extra money in your pocket. Of course, as always, Come back tomorrow on the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast for the best news, coverage, and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!